Hey, y'all. Welcome back as we continue our journey through the book of Ezekiel with chapter 39 today. And in 38, um, we went through a war that that actually reads very similar to the war that we're seeing in Israel today. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you the reasons why I don't think the war outlined in chapter 38 is the, the same war that, that's going on today. In, in verse... Um, 11, it says that Israel was an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages, but they broke through a wall. I don't know. Like, I could be wrong about this. I'm just going to give you my thoughts. I've been meditating on this all weekend. And it says that they were living in peace. They haven't had total peace. There's been turbulence and there's been war and rumors of war. And now we have this huge war. And again, it reads very similar to this, but I think this is another war that's coming after a peace deal is signed. I I do. I, I really do. I feel like this is the three and a half year war that, that comes. And then at the end of this is, is the other reason I think this is a separate war that's still yet to come. He says, God says he's going to make himself known to all the nations of the world and they're going to know that I am Lord. And we know that's going to happen when Jesus returns. And we know that there's a whole lot of the tribulation period that's still coming. I could be totally wrong. I'm just telling you um, what God's impressed on me where I'm at right now as I read the scriptures. And in that note, we're going to go ahead and continue in that vein. And the other reason I'll tell you why is because the very last verses of chapter 37 speaks about when his temple is built among them forever, when Jesus reigns among them forever and the nations know that he is the Lord. And he's talking about the eternal kingdom, the eternal temple. And then he goes into the message for Gog, the, the enemy force, evil, the the satanic force behind evil and wickedness. And he, he speaks directly to that evil and says, look, I'm going to conquer you and there is a war coming and it may look like you've got the upper hand, but just wait because I'm going to show you my power. And we'll see what happens. Obviously, God knows, not not us. I, I trust God entirely. And I, I will say I don't know for sure. I That's always my fine print. This is just what I'm seeing when I read the scriptures at this point in time from what I understand throughout scriptures and from what I've read and where I'm at right now. So with that note, we're going to continue in 39, which is also about Gog. So that's why I wanted to give you the backdraft of what we just read and what we're going to be reading next in verse 1. Son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. I am your enemy, O Gog, ruler of the nations of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and drive you toward the mountains of Israel, bringing you from the distant north. I will knock the bow from your left hand and the arrows from your right hand, and I will leave you helpless. You and your army and your allies will all die on the mountains. I will feed you to the vultures and wild animals. You will fall in the open fields, for I have spoken, says the Sovereign Lord. And I will rain down fire on Magog and on all your allies who live safely on the coasts. Then they will know that I am the Lord. In this way, I will make known my holy name among my people of Israel. And I will not let anyone bring shame on it. 
And the nations too will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That day of judgment will come, says the Sovereign Lord. Everything will happen just as I have declared. And I'm going to pause there a second because remember too, remember who Ezekiel is talking to. Ezekiel is talking to the Israeli leaders who are in exile and who have just seen their city, Jerusalem, and their temple completely destroyed, completely taken over. So this is a hope of not only is God going to restore and set you free so you can rebuild the temple, the faithful remnant who stand firm in God, they will be set free and they will rebuild the temple. But he gives them an eternal hope too, that there is going to be an eternal victory that is going to be coming forth through the hand of God. And we'll continue here in verse 9. Then the people in the towns of Israel will go out and pick up your small and large shields, bows and arrows, javelins and spears, and they will use them for fuel. There will be enough to last them seven years. They won't need to cut wood from fields or forests, for these weapons will give them all the fuel they need. They will plunder those who planned to plunder them, and they will rob those who planned to rob them, says the Sovereign Lord. And I will make a vast graveyard for Gog and his hordes in the Valley of Travelers, east of the Dead Sea. It will block the way of those who traveled there, and they will change the name of the place to the Valley of Gog's hordes. It will take seven months for the people of Israel to bury the bodies and clean the land. Everyone in Israel will help, and it will be a glorious victory for Israel when I demonstrate my glory on that day, says the Sovereign Lord. After seven months, teams of men will be appointed to search the land for skeletons to bury, so the land will be made clean again. Whenever bones are found, a marker will be set up so the burial crews will take them to be buried in the Valley of Gog's hordes. There will be a town there named Hamona, which means horde, and so the land will finally be cleansed. And now, son of man, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Call all the birds and wild animals and say to them, Gather together for my great sacrificial feast. Come from far and near to the mountains of Israel, and there eat flesh and drink blood. Eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of princes as though they were rams, lambs, goats, and bulls, all fattened animals from Bashan. Gorge yourselves with flesh until you are glutton. Drink blood until you are drunk. This is the sacrificial feast that I have prepared for you. Feast at my banquet table. Feast on horses and charioteers, on mighty men and all kinds of valiant warriors, says the Lord. In this way, I will demonstrate my glory to the nations. Everyone will see the punishment I have inflicted on them and the power of my fist when I strike. And from that time on, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. The nations will then know that Israel was sent away to exile. It was punishment for sin, for they were unfaithful to their God. Therefore, I turned away from them and let their enemies destroy them. I turned my face away and punished them because of their defilement and their sins. So um, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish the chapter and then we'll talk about it. So now this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will end the captivity of my people. I will have mercy on all Israel for my jealousy for I jealously guard my holy reputation. They will accept responsibility for their past shame and unfaithfulness after they come home to live in peace in their own land with no one to bother them. When I bring them home from the lands of their enemies, I will display my holiness among them for all the nations to see. 
Then my people will know that I am the Lord their God, because I sent them away to exile and brought them home again. I will leave none of my people behind, and I will never again turn my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit upon the people of Israel. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. He's going to pour out his spirit on his people. They're going to, when they turn to Jesus and repent and accept the Lord as their Savior and repent of their sin, there's, he will be, they will experience the, the Savior's Holy Spirit, the saving grace of God in their lives. And when we choose sin, what he's talking about earlier in this is he turns away from them. They choose sin, so he turns his face from them and lets them have sin. When we choose sin repeatedly and blatantly deny God and turn our backs on God, I'm not talking about blow it's when you're really truly pursuing God with all your guts and you might blow it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you choose sin blatantly and you turn your back on God and say, I want this sin more than I want God. God is going to let you have it. He lets us choose. We have free will. And he turns his face and says, have your sin then. It grieves him. It hurts his heart, but this is called the wrath of abandonment. And God's really been speaking to me about this as we see these wars rising up and all this evil. People keep choosing sin, so he lets people have their sin. And this is the full effect of sin. This is the full ugliness of sin that we're seeing take place. And Jerusalem had been destroyed. The people are in exile. And He's telling his people, look, don't, I am going to defeat your enemy. These people that attacked you are going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay for their choices and judgment is coming on them. And he's going to bring forth that judgment on Babylonia. They are going to be struck down and they, they are, and they, they were struck down and God's defeat of Gog and Magog is an event for all the nations to witness. It says when God defeats evil and it is completely conquered, for the record, evil has already been defeated. Satan has been defeated. We live in victory, but Satan is still wandering about on the earth. He still has this time right now on earth. And this is our time to decide if we're going to choose God or if we're going to choose evil. And it's our choice that God desperately cries out to us and wants us to choose him, but this is our time to choose. And when the time is up, the time is up. Then the time ends and it's finished and judgment comes. So we desperately have to choose now. He's being patient so that more people can turn to him and repent. But there's a day coming when sin and evil is going to be bound up. I shouldn't say defeated because the devil's already been defeated. Jesus defeated the devil on the cross, but he's going to bind the enemy and he will be thrown into the, the gates of hell will will hold him and he will be bound there and all the nations are going to witness and God's name is going to be magnified and all the nations will view it and they will see God and they will know God is God and everything is true and those who choose God the faithful faithful remnant that stands firm they're going to be filled with an overwhelming celebration. And we're going to live and thrive with God for eternity. And he's speaking into the current situation of Jerusalem, as well as the future throughout these texts and the coming of the Lord. And we're going to be getting into Revelation at some point, but I do want to say, make sure you know the voice of God. Make sure you know the character of God, because I don't know for sure what's going on in Israel. If that is like, God is the only one that knows his perfect timing. 
And there is a lot of wars. There are a lot of things that could lead us to believe that these are the opening of the keys of the last days. And I agree. It looks a lot like that. I can't deny it's pain. It's written in scripture and it's almost like word for word what is happening right now. So I, I don't know if, is this the war that leads to the peace agreement that starts the clock of the last seven years of tri- tribulation? Is this, um, and, and if that is true, if that is the case, we just really need to know God's word. We need to be pouring into God's word. We need to be hearing God's voice. We need to be spending time in prayer. We need to be listening to his word, his wisdom, and his truth and stand firm because the enemy is going to rise up in Antichrist and there's going to be a peaceful time and it's going to seem like everything is okay for three and a half years. And then the enemy is going to break his own contract treaty and it's going to get really, 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 really bad. And there's going to be a third temple built and the Antichrist will defile that temple for for a, a small period of time. And he's going to make himself, keep in mind, the enemy likes to mimic God. So what did, what did God do? He, he, he died, he healed and he healed people and he died and he was resurrected and there's going to be a mimic of that. So people really think that, oh, this is the guy and he's going to try to to attract people to him instead of the true God, the one God, the only God. And he's going to try to get people to worship him instead of God because his goal is to try to separate as many of us from God as he can because we are God's children made in God's image and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy all of us in any way he can. That is his goal. And we need to stand firm and stand strong and know without a shadow of doubt that Jesus already died on the cross, that Jesus is the one true king. Jesus is the one true savior. It can't happen again because it already happened and it is finished. Jesus finished it and that devil has already been defeated. The victory is God's and God's alone. And in the final battle, the final victory, everyone's going to know when all God does is say enough or whatever he says. I I don't think it's going to be even a huge battle. I think God's just going to speak a word. I don't know. This is just from my understanding of of everything. Uh, God's power is so strong that he speaks words and things happen. So I would not be surprised if he just simply says, get out, and he is bound for all eternity. It would not surprise me. It'll, it'll, whatever God does, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be like, wow, God, you are so good. I love you so much. But all we know is that, yes, Jesus is returning. When is up to God. We trust God. We believe God. We faithfully wait and build our faith and let him refine our faith while we wait. We continually consume him. We continually pray for peace over Jerusalem and for chains of wickedness to be broken for all of the Middle East, all of the people that are suffering over there. They desperately need prayers and they desperately need the chains of wickedness to be broken. So we keep praying, we keep standing firm in our faith in God and God alone, and we keep pursuing him with the help of our guts. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a great day.